This is East Lansing Insider, brought to you by ELI on Impact 89FM. In this show, we break down all of the news and happenings in the East Lansing community. And now, today's East Lansing Insider. Hello and welcome to another episode of the East Lansing Insider. I'm Andrew Graham, East Lansing Info's city meetings reporter, sports editor, and doer of many things. I'm here today with Jesse Gregg, East Lansing City Councilwoman and soon-to-be mayor. Jesse, thank you for joining us. Anytime. So we're just going to get right into it. Jesse is soon to become mayor of the city of East Lansing with the impending resignation or official resignation of Aaron Stevens on August 11th, correct? Yep. He's that's his resignation letter is dated the 11th. So I will be automatically elevated um, as soon as that comes into effect. Should clarify, Jesse is mayor pro tem. So she is next in line. Yes. Um, yep. And as such, we wanted to have Jesse on the podcast and ask her some questions and talk about the city of East Lansing. So First up is, what do you see as the most pressing issue or issues facing the city currently? Um, I mean, there's a couple, obviously, because it's not a simple system. Um, I think the one that's probably the most pressing on everybody's mind, or I guess at least my mind, I don't can't speak for everyone, um, but just the continuing response to coronavirus, and now with things starting to climb a little bit, where I'm feeling a little deja vu-y. Um, last August, things were looking pretty um, rosy, I would say, actually, at this time. Our numbers were pretty under control, and we were feeling a little bit more confident. Um, now we're starting to see numbers climb, which is exactly what we had happen last August um, before our biggest outbreak. Uh, hopefully it's not going to be exactly the same curve um, with this new variant because we do have a lot of vaccinated people. So it's going to be different, I would say, but I'm still quite nervous about um, a large population of people coming back to town and questions about whether or not they were vaccinated. I'm very pleased that MSU has decided to do a mandate for their students and staff. I think that's going to be a very critical tool towards managing whatever's happening um, or whatever's going to happen. But I think just, you know, the big gray question mark of not really knowing what we're in for and kind of the knowing that our community is pretty exhausted from over a year now of dealing with this and wondering just how um, willing people are going to be to control their, you know, distance and social gatherings and things like that. So that's quite concerning to me. Um, And then, you know, ongoing police reform efforts. I think we have hit our department with a lot of changes in this last year. Um, And for the most part, I would say they're adapting pretty well to that. But I think it's um, pretty crucial that we continue to look and make sure that those changes are actually having a positive impact on the equity of policing our community. Um, we want to make sure, obviously, that all of our laws are equally enforced against every possible person that might encounter a police officer in any situation. Um, and so we've got to continue, obviously, to look at that. We've got a few things coming. We have this um, study study 
independent contractor coming in to look at some of our internal policies and procedures. And then we obviously have our first seating of the oversight commission, which was just recently formed. So um, interviewing candidates for that and choosing a strong body to be the first seated body of that commission is going to be critically, critically important. And that probably actually will happen during my brief stint as mayor. Um, I think just to, it's, we have a very confusing um, system for people who are used to mayoral elections where the mayor runs as a candidate. So um, I think people are a little bit confused about who I am and how I am in this position and also why I only have the three months of guaranteed um, service. We have a, we select our mayor from within our council not as an independent candidate. And so in November, after our new council members are seated, you know, we have three open seats um, and only two incumbents running. So regardless of who's elected, we're going to have at least one new council member, possibly as many as three. And then um, we will select the mayor from within that body of five. So um, although I am excited to serve in this lofty position. I don't have a long, a guarantee of a long um, path in this position. So for, you know, I'm really concentrating on the next three months, which include, you know, obviously getting that oversight commission seated and then uh, the move in week and fall football. Um, so those are the things that are preying on my mind specifically, but those are short term um you know, because my term is a short-term term, but uh, I do still have two more Fair. years left as a council member. Um, and so just all of the other things that go into running a city are obviously still part of what I'm considering um, for my final term of service. So we've got, you know, our ongoing financial problems. We've got to make sure that we are doing our due diligence to keep on top of those pension payments that balloon um, when they're left <laughs> to their own devices. Um, and then the other, you know, just keeping things moving smoothly in the city, we have got the potential of a big zoning change on our main drag um, with possibly implementing this form-based code that our um, subcommittee of the planning committee has been working on for a couple of years. Um, and that could be a big change. It could be a very positive change, but it could also be a very disruptive change. So, um, and just, you know, uh, any big major chaining, change to planning and zoning when everything is so uh, uncertain because of the business effects of COVID and the fallout of COVID, um, you know, that's potentially concerning. So I've got my eye on that as well. Um, we're, unlikely to see a lot of major construction in the city um, just because of prices of materials mostly. And then I think some uncertainty about just, you know, what business is going to look like um, post COVID. Are people going to go back to the offices? Are offices going to be as important in terms of how business is done? Right, and right. we don't know all those things yet. So, um, so I don't think we're going to have like, Massive, massive construction projects. Obviously, we have the MSUFCU building going in. Um, that was pretty well underway before the major impacts of COVID hit. So um, I guess personally, I'm excited that they're willing to keep going ahead um, with everything being so uncertain. But I think it knowing that there's probably going to be a little bit of a pause is a good time to take a look at our um, 
just overall city plan and get some of those zoning changes from our master plan cemented in our actual code. So you're becoming mayor, and that's obviously a big mantle in terms of at least you'll be you'll be running the council meetings from a Robert yeah. Rules of Order yeah. standpoint. But yeah. what what sort of experiences have prepared you for this role of maybe not it doesn't necessarily change your council responsibilities as much, mm-hmm. still one fifth voting member, but in just in terms of the the public responsibility and just you're you're the mayor in a couple of days. Yeah. So I mean what do you think has prepared you for that? What do you think has yeah. will you draw um, for that? Well, you know, it's it's might sound weird to say it, but I have a huge customer service background, right? I am a small business owner and I serve my customers on a daily basis. And the same skills that go into, you know, waiting on people as a customer, I I think are applicable in just, you know, being a respectful head and recognizing the needs of all of your constituents. So it's a different kind of relationship. It's not a commercial, you know, give and take relationship, but in some ways it is, you know, when a when a resident purchases a house or rents an apartment um, or even, you know, a non-resident coming into work and use city services, they are consuming a product in a way, right? They're consuming the quality of life right. of being within East Lansing. And so as the head of the government, um, or at least the face of the government, I don't want to make it sound like I've got more authority than I do. Um, you know, I think that that's an important way to kind of approach that is just recognizing that you're giving services to people um, and that they have a certain expectation in exchange for their, you know, uh, property taxes and their contributions to our community. So I've been doing that for basically my whole life Um, as an artist. That is a big part of selling your work. So even when I didn't have a retail store, I was still, you know, having that kind of consumer relationship in my dealings with people. Um, I also, you know, I manage my staff as well. Um, I am not, I guess I don't really know their opinion on whether or not I'm a great manager. <laughs> I try my best and I don't get too many complaints, but, you know, I'm signing they're their not, paychecks. They're not so they, sprinting they might away, not. screaming. So. Exactly. Yeah. Yes. They've at least, you know, they've at least committed to stay working for me and seem relatively pleased. Um, so I think, you know, part of being a, a good manager is empowering the people that you work with to have you know, their own autonomy and responsibility. Um, I'm not a micromanager. I just don't have that capacity to micromanage people. Um, And so I'm hoping, you know, with my slightly different style that I can empower my fellow council members to kind of just, um, you know, take take uh, responsibility and ownership for the things that are important for them to accomplish. No one person obviously can take everything and we all have different strengths. That's the part of the benefit of having a public body that's made up of individuals with different experiences. So um, I've got a few ideas of just, you know, mostly it is comes down to communication, just checking in with people and making sure that, you know, things that are important to them to get on the agenda, get on the agenda and that we have a chance to, you know, discuss things and bring things forward and things like that. So um, I hope that I can, you know, just be a positive, uh, leader. I don't know. I'm still not very comfortable with the title of leader, but, um, you know, I've got some ideas. We'll see what happens. So for people who didn't know, Jesse used to report for Eli back in the day before she ran for city council. And so 
I'm curious, and I would I would <laughs> think the whole Eli staff is curious to learn how your your view and your your understanding of the city government has changed going from being a reporter to being an elected leader of it. Um, so how has that? I guess how has that changed your your view of the the function of government seeing maybe how the sausages get made a little more yeah well it's um you know in some ways i can answer that and in some ways i can't because the council that i'm serving on is different than the council i was reporting on you know in some fairly substantial ways and we've had a very exciting year um yeah anyway (laughs) so i don't i don't know the effects of some of the different personalities being in their positions um i do you know it's very east lansing is a you know a town certainly but we're not a big city um and having a resource like eli i think is great in some respects i think you know it's really powerful to know that there's a voice out there that can um communicate in clear, plain language to the residents, kind of what their government is doing, right? Um, And that is unique to East Lansing because there's not a lot of communities this size that have a publication that focuses solely on the city. But at the same time, that is actually a very stressful environment for a lot of our staff to work under because they just know that they're being scrutinized um, to a much higher degree than their peers in other cities that have similar jobs. Um, And so there's a lot, you know, I, part of my management of my staff, um, you know, the people that I employ in my own business is just letting them know that I'm not expecting perfection um, because people are imperfect, right? And so when you do mess something up, either, you know, through um, just confusion or, you know, possibly neglect, I guess, but I don't, I I tend to always think the best of people. That's my sort of naive um, core of optimism that I carry with me. But um, I think people do need to have the ability to correct their mistakes. And that can be stressful when everything is being reported in real time. Um, So just, you know, it, it changes the way that our staff relate to each other and the way that they relate to us in a way that I'm not sure is entirely positive. Um, it's definitely stressful. Um, so it's, you know, it's hard to say exactly how my views have changed. Um, I do, you know, still overall think that it is incredibly positive to have a resource that is focused on, on what's happening. Um, it's a luxury that many other communities just don't have. Um, which, you know, could make our residents feel more connected to their community um, and also more like they have a voice in their community because they know clearly who to communicate their problems to. Um, so I don't know. It, I mean, it's it's different working on the inside for sure. I wouldn't say that it's entirely changed my views, but there's definitely, you know, definitely a stress involved in knowing that you're being scrutinized on that level. You sort of, you see the human side of the yeah. the city more. Yeah. That makes sense. Yeah. The the next the next thing I want to get to is that you have we have as you've mentioned uh, city council elections are coming up this November there are three seats open and you have recommended that people donate to the campaigns of Ron Bacon and Dana Watson who are both current council members. Have you picked a third candidate to endorse out of I believe it's Dan Bullman, Chuck Grigsby and George Brookover would 
be the main three. There have been some late filings. Why do you see Ron and Dana in particular as two of the better candidates for council? We obviously have a council that has a lot of enthusiasm, but not a lot of experience, right? That has been commented on many times by many different people. We are a young, we are a young council in terms of years of active service. Um, Years of service in this role. I think everyone that serves has had a fair amount of public experience just in working on different boards and commissions and things like that. Um, you know, not Dana's necessarily still... council. Yeah. Exactly, exactly. Um, but, you know, to that, I say, like, if you want things to change in a city, then you've got to stop electing people with a lot of experience, right? Because <laughs> that's how you're going to get the change. Mm-hmm. So I don't necessarily yeah. see that as a bad thing. I actually think that, um, you know, I, I see it as a positive thing. Obviously, we're gaining experience um, daily, hourly sometimes. Um, and the climate that we are serving in with this kind of joint one-two punch of COVID plus the just um, national conversation on race and equity and the division, like the very strong division that that has highlighted in our country is a, um, it's a exciting dynamic time to be in public service, but it's actually also, you know, a very stressful time to be in public service. So I have had the pleasure of serving with Dana and Ron over the last year in the, and you know, in the boiling pot that we have been serving in. <laughs> and I think the that both breach, of them have so done. Yes, exactly. Exactly. So I feel like they have been tried and tested, right? Like they have survived basically being a public service Ooh. servant during Corona. Um, and I feel like we have also, um, you know, at least from my mind, made some very positive changes. I think that, um, you know, we've begun the realignment of our police department. I would not say that we're done with that in any um in any way. But I do also think that it's important just, you know, kind of going back to also that kind of level of scrutiny and level of stress that our staff experience being public servants, our police are definitely part of that um, and have, you know, a dangerous and uh, stressful job already. So I do think it's important for us to kind of uh, periodically pause, let the changes that we have already imposed on them take effect, let them get used to it, let them get the training that they need to properly respond to changes in like, you know, our disorderly conduct code and things like that. But I do think that Dana and Ron have been really strong partners in those changes. Um, And I know also that both of them have got things that they'd like to continue to work on um, that have already had, you know, first steps um, in place. Ron was a a strong voice um, as the liaison to our Police Oversight Study Committee. Um, Obviously, that's not done yet. Dana's got a lot of ideas about fair housing and equity and um, just, you know, cleaning up our criminal code in a lot of different ways and the ways that our courts prosecute our cases and things like that. I do think that, you know, retaining them in those seats would would put us a couple steps further down the road to some of the things that we've already been working on. In terms of a third candidate, um, you know, I also, you know, Adam DeLay is also running and he's been campaigning fairly studiously. So I don't want to leave him off of your list of Correct. potential candidates. Um, I have to admit, I'm not an East Lansing voter myself, so I don't pay <laughs> the closest Andrew. attention to the candidates. Yeah, no, that's fair. Um, so and then also just like to point out another little possibly confusing wrinkle. 
So one of the candidates that, or one of the seated council members that vacated their seat last year, Mark Meadows, had just been elected. And so his term would have been the same as my term, which is a four-year term. Um, because he left his seat, that leaves a vacant two-year period. Um, and by our charter, our appointees cannot fill out that long of a term. They have to be reelected at the next possible reelection. So we actually have two seats on our um are two different types of council seats on the ballot, which is very different for East Lansing. Usually it's just one pool and we don't have a primary. So it's just, you know, if 20 people applied, it would be a pool of 20 candidates. Um, this year, there's two different types of um, positions available. There's one for a two-year term, which is completing that partial, year, partial term for Mark Meadows. And then there's two that are in the four-year, I'm going to call it the scrum, just because like they're all competing against each other. So, you know, the so it's not apples and apples. It's kind of apples and oranges. Ron is going to have, I think, a much less competitive race because he only has one person running against him. Um, Dana has got three potential challengers in her race, and one of them is definitely going to get elected. So um, the only person that I've really talked to is Dan Bowman. He asked me for my signature on his petition, which I was delighted to give him. Um, and none of the other candidates have actually talked to me about their candidacy. Um, so I'm not sure if I'm not sure what that is about. Um, I I don't know. Um, I guess I knew the other candidates quite well when I was running, and I didn't specifically seek any endorsement from a seated council member, so maybe I don't know exactly why um, nobody's reached out. But um, I can comfortably say that I would be delighted to serve with Dan Bowman, um, especially jumping back to the conversation previously about the form-based code in Michigan Avenue um, corridor and just really the idea that our codes need to be updated in general across the boards. I think there's a lot of things that are kind of hanging out in our codes that are possibly a little bit antiquated um, and at least need to be looked at. So if we are going to go forward with a major zoning change downtown, I think having somebody that was actually on the commission that created the recommendations would be a great asset in making sure that that is um done appropriately and in a way that is going to be a positive change and not, you know, make things unnecessarily complicated. So, um, and I just, you know, I know him as a human being because I've um, followed planning commission and had opportunities to chat with him over the years. So um, I know, you know, um, both Mr. Grigsby and Mr. Bowman were high choices in our appointees to be appointed to council um, when we did our interviews Um I think Dan has got slightly more civic experience before he um, moved to East Lansing. He was very active in Kalamazoo as well in city planning. So I think all of that expertise would be very great to have on council. Um, our planning staff is delightful, obviously, but it, it does make a difference to have somebody who is actually voting on things who's who has a deep understanding of them. So um, I don't know. I think it's a pretty strong pool, actually, all things considered. Um, and we'll just kind of see what happens. Gotcha. What are your thoughts on the parking system these days, not only as an elected person <laughs> becoming mayor soon, but you're a small business yeah. owner. Um, your store is right across from the the grocery garage, of which I am a frequent yeah. user. Um, um, yeah. I, so I believe I the 15-minute grace period is done, right? 
Can't no, no, the 15 that's, minute that's grace period is, oh, no, is nope, nope, that is permanent going forward. And actually we're going to try it. I mean, we, yep, that's awesome. yep, that was, uh, that was something that was really important to both Aaron and myself. Um, partially, I mean, there's a couple of different reasons for wanting that. Um, it's sort of a mixed blessing. Um, obviously I'm a retailer, right. And actually when we talked about the 15 minute grace period, Corona wasn't even really a thing yet. Like, can you imagine a time before Corona at this point, actually? Um, so I never, I never envisioned a future wherein my fabric customers, because fabric is a very tactile thing. Usually people like to come into the store and really like feel the fabric before they buy it. I never envisioned a future in which my customers would be doing curbside pickup, right? Like that was not even on my radar in terms of things to try. But we did know that, you know, the Grubhub and the Uber Eats type delivery services were gaining a lot of traction and we wanted to create a way for those types of pickup drop-off delivery services to use the downtown without like idling in the traffic lane, right? Um, Or taking up the surface metered parking lots. We do have um, pickup parking spots labeled downtown, but we're also really encouraging people to actually pull into the parking garage. Um, Like, you know, if you're picking up from, I'm going to just say Charlie Kang's because I happen to go get lunch from them fairly frequently. So, you know, if you're a Uber Eats driver, you can pull into the Albert street garage park basically right up against the back wall be in and out of charlie kang's in five minutes assuming that you've hit your delivery window correctly and that the food is actually ready to pick up and be out of the garage in like 10 minutes so it's not you know you're not in traffic you are still enabling a way for our residents to support the downtown businesses um, with food and delivery service without causing traffic problems. So I don't know that it's being used that way. I think there's going to be definitely a learning curve in just encouraging people to, you know, recognize it. Like you said, um, you thought it was over, right? So like, you know, yeah, just I was, I, kind of I remember it had been voted on for a period and didn't yeah. know it got extended. Yep, continuing to just promote the fact that that is still available and easy um, is going to be important going forward. Um, but also, you know, it's also kind of a mixed blessing for the for the people who are a little bit more shopping based retail because we don't want our customers to feel like they've got an expiration date where they have to get in and out of the right. store in a certain time. So, you know, I think um, letting people know that there's a lot of downtown businesses that validate parking so that it's not necessarily going to be a fee. Um, I personally have a very strong um, environmental opposition to surface parking lots. They are frankly terrible for our stormwater system. So much crap runs off of surface parking lots and into the stormwater. Um, you know, cars are in, cars are an invasive species in my mind. Um, so the one way to deal with them is to stack them up and make them take up less room. But um, you know, I think I'm I'm kind of unique in East Lansing in that I don't hate parking garages. Um, we definitely have a lot of people that have not. Not yet embraced the parking garage as an institution um and there's still a lot of space in them which is concerning you know we've it's an expensive system to maintain um it seems like i'm getting emails pretty regularly about you know this elevator needs service or you know this x x stairwell is closed for some you know maintenance thing um, I was in the, right, you know, we do right. power wash the decks and things like that. So it's a, it's a personnel and um, equipment intensive sur- system, um, but they are definitely fuller now than they have been over the last year or so, which is pleasing to see. Um, 
I'm noticing a lot more valet parked cars in the Grove Street garage. Um, coming over from the graduate, I see the the valets, you know, kind of coming and going from the garage. So that's positive. Um, I'm excited that the hotel has got enough people in it that they, you know, that I'm seeing uh, consistent parking from them. Um, all of that stuff is positive. I think the MSU FCU building, when that comes on board, that will also be positive. You'll have a lot of day use people coming in and parking, um, while they're working. Hopefully those people stay at night and enjoy, you know, a dinner or go out to lunch or something. Um, so, you know, it's, we, our parking system was just absolutely devastated by Corona to the tune of millions, plural dollars in lost revenue. Um, and it's not, you know, there's the potential, I guess, in the future to actually make some money off of parking that would actually go into the general fund. But at this point where it's, you know, it's a break even system. So when it, when it falls short by millions, plural of dollars, it's not that our general fund money that we get to choose to spend fell short by millions of dollars. It's that our parking maintenance and personnel costs cost us millions of dollars, right? So we do nef- definitely need to... Um, yeah, just keep paying attention to it and making sure that it's uh, being used in any way that it can. So um, I haven't looked yet at the, we we decided to, okay, moped permits. Mopeds were parking for free in the garages up until this year. I'm not sure if that's had any positive impact. I'm imagining it's not huge, but, you know, nickel and diming anything that we can is probably going to be par for the course for the foreseeable future. Right. Well, we are out of time here. I want to thank you again, Jesse, for for joining us and for for being game to answer some questions and take some time Sorry, out of so what I am sure what I'm sure is a very busy, busy life for you as a small business owner, elected official, yeah. human, parent, all those sorts of things. <laughs> so, thank you yeah. for taking some time. Anytime. Yep. Happy to chat. Anytime. East Lansing Insider is brought to you by ELI on Impact 89FM. We are on the web at eastlansinginfo.news and impact89fm.org. Thanks for listening.